0: Hey, you're listening to Middle Class Rockstar. I'm your host, Andy Siddow. This is it. This is the, the first episode I've been thinking about and talking about doing a podcast for a long time, and I've finally decided let's put it out. I'm not sure yet if this is going to be a weekly or an every other weekly sort of thing, but I've backlogged a few episodes, and I decided to release this one with the Greyhounds first because I just thought we had a nice conversation, and it felt like it would be a great first episode. So... Um, I'll, I'll be releasing these every week or every two weeks. I haven't decided yet. But anyway, I sat down with Anthony Farrell, and then towards the end of the conversation, Andrew Trube walked in as well, and we chatted about the music industry and how they first met, how they first got started. They've been playing together since right out of high school, almost 20 years. Um, their new album, Cheyenne Valley Drive, just came out earlier this year. This conversation happened on June 30th, in the back of Globe Hall, which is a concert venue in Denver, uh, my band opened for theirs uh, just just the other night. And at Globe Hall, oh, I got a cell phone signal interrupted there. I first met the Greyhounds back in 2013, 2014, when I opened for them at the Marquee Theater, I believe. And then in just in the past six or seven months, I've had the opportunity to do it a couple more times. So this was a real fantastic conversation. I love their sound. It was really cool to... Get to sit down and chat with these guys. They've had a, a great career where they've done a lot of cool things, a wide array of different things. Um, I want to also, before we jump in, thank our sponsor, PQ Mastering. Uh, Patrick at PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on all these podcasts for any mastering or audio restoration work. You can check out his website at www.pqmastering.com. .com. All right, without further ado, let's jump in. Oh, wait, before we do that, I want to mention, too, um, my, my laptop ran out of battery halfway through the interview because we were doing it outside, and we had to go in and charge the laptop and finish it in the Airstream, which is the green room behind Globe Hall. So you'll hear a cutout somewhere in the middle, but don't worry, it'll jump right back in, and I will let the audience know what happened when it happened so it's not too crazy and unnatural. All right, here we go. My conversation with Anthony Farrell and Andrew Troub of the Greyhounds.
1: And I can't wait another day, no. See, my heart was cold as a storm. And I wasn't afraid of being the alone. Open up your door and show me something more now. Got the good local beer. Yes, right. Got me some of this uh, Breckenridge Brewery Black Lager here. Breck Lager, excuse me. Yes. Breck Lager. Very refreshing.
0: There you go, and you can get that even a little bit closer, maybe. Yeah. Hey, hey. Oh, there it is. Now we hear you. So uh, we're with Anthony Farrell of
1: the Greyhounds. Hey, hey. How long you been a road dog for? Oh man, uh, ever since I got out of high school. Uh, uh, let's see. I've been I've been on the road for about 18 years, 19 years, something like that.
0: Holy crap! And yeah. Greyhound's has been the main project, right? Yes. For since
1: basically that whole time, um, you know, I play in in this group Greyhounds for for all y'all out there listening uh, with this gentleman named Andrew Trube, and um, we, basically when I got out of high school, I I never really played in a band. With other people before, you know, I went and jammed at a friend's house occasionally, and that was just about it. I, I grew up playing piano in my house, so um, when I got to high school, a friend suggested to me that I look in the uh, classifieds in the LA Weekly for people who are looking for keyboard players. And one of the first ads I saw was Andrew Troub's ad, and um, I called him, and I played something for him on the phone. And uh, he was like, well, why don't you come down to our little rehearsal space? He already had a couple other guys that he was playing with. And, um, you know, we'll just get together and, and jam, you know. And we did that. We kept on playing. We started booking some gigs in L.A. And um, we realized we were like, well, you know, it's kind of tough being a, a, a live musician in L.A. You know, it's mostly like kind of studio stuff there. But um, we were like, well, why don't we go on the road? and we've been doing it ever since <laughs> so that,
0: that's straight out of this he was your college education and everything
1: mm-hmm. yeah we we taught each other a lot of d- things
0: <laughs> that, that's awesome yeah. that's awesome to, to tolerate someone for that long you know i know sometimes after two and a half weeks i'm done with a few people you know
1: yeah well you know you everything in moderation you got to kind of take your your uh breaks when you can and and you know but but it's great you know um I've known him for so long, and there's been a lot of things that have happened over the course of you know our playing together that have like reaffirmed that it was like, hey, you know this is something that you know is special, and I feel like whenever there's any doubt that enters my mind, you know something else happens that's like, oh, yo, you need to be you know y'all need to keep making music together, so yeah, yeah, you yeah. know hey there there's a lot of you, you know that's the thing, man. You can be as talented as you want you know but i feel like the real magic in in most music is about the communication between musicians right you know that's where the the sparks kind of coming from you know and um I, I feel like you know a really good we got a good chemistry you know yeah so, yeah
0: man that's awesome that, and, and you guys were do doing the two- piece thing and now you've got you've got the drummer with you as well but it wasn't always that way
1: well actually um we started out as a four piece we had a bass player when we first started out um, and then um, you know the bass player uh, went on to do some other different things and and you know we got a different drummer and stuff so I, I kind of you know it was kind of out of necessity that I started doing the left hand bass thing um, and we've been a three piece now for about I want to say 15 years, something like that, oh, sure. you know, maybe a little less than that. Yeah. Um, but you know, it just kind of came about out of necessity, but then just kind of continue doing it. You know, there's a lot of freedom with, with that and a little bit leaner. And so you can be a little bit more, uh, adapt to a lot of situations, you know, just, it's just tight unit, you know, absolutely. And you know, I,
0: it, yeah, I, I like talking to I like talking to bands who are playing venues like this. We're at Globe Hall in Denver. We're sitting outside. We might hear some fireworks pop in the <laughs> background. It's beginning of July. That's uh, right. But uh, you know, ro- rooms like going around the country, headlining rooms like this is is kind of a huge feat because no, you're not headlining Red Rocks yet, but <laughs> but you've made it further than. 99% of touring bands. And and I and I think getting from the ground level to where you're at now is probably the most the most difficult thing to do.
1: Well, you know, it's funny cuz yeah, we have been doing this for a long time. Um and yes, it's not easy. You have to kind of commit to just you know, going out there and spending the time out there on the road. You know, yeah. people you know, you can spend money on promotion and you know, you can do all these different things, but there's nothing like like, and, and it all again comes back to connections. When you go and play in someone's city, they come and see you, you know, never heard of you before or whatever, you know, and you make an impression on them. You like, you know, you guys are sharing this experience and there's nothing that can really replace that. You know, you can find out about a band on Spotify and hear it and dig it, you know, which is great. But for me, it's like still there's no substitute for going and seeing someone live you know so i feel like it's just a necessary part of what we do um but yeah i I just i really yeah it's important when
0: when you talk about too that you guys have created this this small army at this point right where you could anytime you come to denver you just say hey we're the greyhounds we're in denver announce the show you're gonna sell tickets um, that's, that's a pretty cool hopefully s- yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, we are competing with Kenny Chesney tonight. Oh man. Well, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't think there's going to be too much demographic <laughs> crossover myself, but, um, you know, y- you've, you've built this army where you can announce show people show up in a different town. That's, that's huge. Do you, do you find that That's happened mostly like you were saying from, hey, we've been to Denver 50 times and and we picked up a couple fans each time and they bring friends. Or do you think there's been a couple events, a couple big things that have happened to you guys that have sort of helped that where you saw the crowd go from 20 to 100 or something like that?
1: Well, you know, it's hard to say. Um, I, I really believe that it's just an accumulation of things. You know, it's like the relationships that you make with different you know clubs out here on the road and promoters and and that kind of thing you know that definitely helps it's like all it's all about finding the people who get what you do you know and understand you know the type of audience that's going to appreciate it you know and where what's the right place and and it's a trial and error kind of thing you know um I I will say you know Colorado in general has always been one of those states that is just really supportive of the music scene of live music you know which which is great you know I've got so many friends who you know they come up here regularly and maybe even a little bit more than other places just because it's just it's reliable you know there's always going to be places to play Um, but you know coming back to just I, I think I think the fact that You just got to get out there and bring it to people and, you know, cultivate relationships. And over time, you know, yeah, you you get in front of the right people and then that spark just happens. You know, I can't really attribute it to any one little thing, you know, it's just it's just a long road. Um, Yeah. And there's of course, there's different approaches to it. You know, I've seen other people have success with with totally you know a different approach to it but yeah a viral youtube video or whatever (laughs) yeah yeah exactly you know so there i mean that's the other thing is too is that when we started doing this that wasn't even really a thing you know what i mean it's like that is a relatively recent development in terms of just how people reach fans now right you know and which which is great i feel like you know just the fact that So many, you know, whoever you are, if you've got an idea, you know, the tools are there and you can create whatever you want. You can reach, you know, so many different people all from, you know, in front of your computer. Yeah. Which which is awesome, you know. But like I said again, you know, it's like I I feel like there's really no substitute for that face to face impression that you make, you know, with your sound or your show or whatever it is, you know. Right. Right. Um, yeah,
0: no. And I, I, uh, I agree a hundred percent. I know a lot of my peers with, you know, the age bracket I'm in are trying to do it without touring. I don't want to tour. I don't want to do this. I, I love it. We just got, we've just been on the road for about three weeks and yeah. I want to go out as much as possible because when you, when you get up and shake someone's hand, it's different, it's different, but you yeah. know, it's, it's cool that you guys are, have been doing that it, before the new music business.
1: Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you, touring too it's it's a different thing and i mean you know you got to be versatile you know i think as a musician you know regardless i mean if you're not touring then you got to figure out a way to make it happen you know in your community you know and and find opportunities um i think that definitely takes a certain type of temperament too to, to go on the road for long stretches of time either you like it or you don't some people are just built for that and, you know, nothing against people who don't like touring. It's just certain kind of people are into it, right. you know. And for me, there's nothing like that thrill of, like, seeing a new place, meeting some new people, getting into some something else that I've never experienced before. You know, that's the thrill of, of what we do, you right. know. Um, but circumstances sometimes don't allow for that. Right. And so you got to figure out a way to, you know, I think that's one of the things for us, one of the reasons we've been able to continue doing this as our profession is because you know we've kind of diversified you know we've been we've worked as you know rhythm sections for other groups um Andrew and I just got done uh being the backing um, backing band for a gentleman named Robert Finley who is uh yeah. the soul singer um he's on the Easy uh sound records which is a uh, Dan Auerbach's label um nice and uh yeah our, our good friend Dante he's the musical director for robert's band and asked us to be part of that so um that that's you know was really great but you know that's still touring but you know we also have a studio um in austin and we do work out of there as well so you guys bring in other bands and stuff yeah yeah nice um bring in other bands and we also do you know voiceover work or or you know kind of commercial music type things you know it's like that's the thing it's like there's there's so many different ways to, you know, make, make a living through music. You know, it's not just hitting the road, Right. you know? Um, and that's the thing. I think that there, it can be almost overwhelming, you know, so many different, you know, avenues you can, you can go down, uh, trying to chase, you know, quote unquote success, you know, yeah, whatever that is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, it's nuts too. There's yeah. licensing, there's mm-hmm. touring, there's teaching lessons, there's being studio guy. I mm-hmm. mean, side man, it's, yeah. it's kind of insane, but it's, I think that's cool that we're seeing that now, uh, that if you don't have the means to hit the road or you don't want to hit the road, you can still make a full-time
1: living. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely.
0: And you guys, so you were talking about being backing bands for people. You guys had a stint with uh, J.J. Gray as well, right?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, We worked with J.J. for about seven years. Um, We just stopped playing with him uh, the beginning of 2016. And, you know, that was a really fun time, you know, getting to be part of that band. And it was a great learning experience as well, you know, because up until being a part of his group, You know, our main focus had been Greyhounds. And, you know, we had that freedom of just, you know, being a three-piece. We could play whatever we wanted. If we felt like kind of jamming and improvising a little bit, you know, we could just kind of look at each other and be like, oh, well, let's just take this section a little further, that kind of thing, you know. And uh, Andrew and I both share lead vocal duties as well. Um, But then... It was a total 180 once we joined JJ's band. It was more about, you know, restraint and backing up, you know, the singer who is the focus of the show, you know, and playing those songs and leaving space. It was a much bigger band as well. So it's like all these different things that I now had to pay attention to, even like, uh, you know, singing background vocals, you know, you can't do like a whole bunch of vibrato or you're not trying to stand out. You're trying to be as one with everybody else right, that's singing right and so it's just a whole different approach and uh really taught me a lot of just about how to you know play as an ensemble as opposed to just soloing and you know doing whatever you want to do yeah pops in your head you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah
0: different gig that's cool though right. um must it was a, great yeah fun fun gig and i got one more question about about uh music biz and then maybe we can quickly jump into early life yeah. or something <laughs> um but uh, so I've noticed you guys have done it both the DIY way with without the label, and you guys have had support of a label. You guys had a three album deal, yeah. uh, that ended in two thousand sixteen, I believe, right?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, somewhere about, about there, yeah,
0: yeah. So maybe talk about that a little bit. What's it like? What's it like being on a record label? How did it help? What were the restraints? What's the advantage of of not being on a label?
1: Well, um, you know, we we were with Ardent Music out in uh memphis tennessee and um that was a great experience actually you know i know a lot of people you know kind of have varying degrees of uh, satisfaction with their relationships with their record label you know but for us it was a it was a great experience um definitely taught us you know a lot of different things i think um we you know, I think it's important to to know what you want as a musician, you know, and how you want to be perceived and, you know, just no know, I mean, there's a lot of aspects to what we what we do. It's not just about going in there and recording a record and then, you know, going out there and selling it. You know, you got to you, you got to focus your energy on on whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. Of course, selling records is is great. But, you know, it's like I think there's things we learn, too, that we we realize, Okay, we don't need a record label in order to do these certain things, you know, because I mean, when you look at it, you know, realistically, a record label is like a bank that's funding your project and it's an investment, you know, and, um, you know, either you have bankers that understand your vision and are willing to work with you to help you achieve that or you have bankers that are really going to be like you know looking over your shoulder all the time and and trying to just always be you know worried about the bottom line
2: which you know a little
1: bit of both is is important you know um i don't know there there's definitely
0: advanced about now oh now we're both back on all right so for our seven listeners we were uh we were outside backstage of globe hall and uh my battery died on my laptop and now we've reset up in here oh uh, yeah and and uh and now andrew's joining us as well we got everybody hanging out so um and i i don't remember uh this is like one of those phone calls where someone lost service i don't know exactly where we yeah were.
1: where we were i guess we were talking about the advantages And disadvantages of uh, being with a label and doing it yourself. Yes. (laughs) Releasing a record, that is. Right, right. So, yeah. Um, You know, I know, Andrew, you just stepped back in here. Uh, Would you you like to uh, offer any uh, thoughts on that subject? uh, As far as what specifically? Just like, you know, the pros and cons of working with a label as Mm -hmm. opposed to putting out a record yourself. Um,
2: put it out yourself (laughs) that's it just put it out yourself like put it out yourself um that's all like yeah straight up like labels are dead I mean figure out who your audience is and the best way to like hit them you know who who likes you and usually you're you are your audience and so like what's the best way to get to them and then get to them yourself and then you have your own masters, you have your own stuff, and then you recruit, yeah. put a team around you that, that understands what you're trying to do. You know, you you need something done, you figure out who can do that well, you get them, you know, you you, you try to get a good team and people that get what you're trying to do, hopefully. You know, so. And, and then, you, would,
0: you would say that no matter what, like even even if the label has like a buttload of money you're gonna stick to your guns
2: on well it depends on what you're in it for like what do you want to do you know that's the other thing what do you want you want to play in arenas you know do you want to you know are you if you're somebody who's getting offered an incredible deal from a label yeah sure take it why not right but i mean the reality is that that's not gonna happen probably and that's okay right because you really don't want it to happen in a lot of ways because then you have control over what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like you decide what you want your things to look like. You decide what you want you make all the decisions, the more decisions you can make yourself. Um, and that is all the way from music to branding to whatever, man, like, like the more decisions you can make, then you're making them you know all labels gonna do is is gonna find out what you decisions you can't make and make them for you and right. nine times out of ten they're the wrong decisions and then you end up mm-hmm. owing them a ton of money so right, right, <laughs> right, right. so I mean that's and,
0: and what what is it that you guys want want venue size I mean what what's what's the goal venue oh
2: it's not really about that for us too much yeah. I think it's just um we just want to put out music and build it organically and and build it you know on our own terms and however that looks is what it looks like you know and that's that's it I mean that's we just want to play and tour and put out music and work and produce and write and just do music and so there there isn't like I there's no ceiling you know I mean wherever it goes is where it goes you know and we're just gonna keep working so
0: that's probably a, a very powerful attitude to have too because if I mean you, yeah. you've already won you know whatever happens happens you guys doing your thing and
1: right right touring a lot yeah and and you know that's the thing it's like it's about your intentions it's right. like hey if you go into this thinking oh I want to try to make a million bucks or whatever. You know, you're probably going to be disappointed, but you know, <laughs> but but you know, you you go into it like, oh, I want to make some good music that speaks to me, and then hopefully, you know, it speaks to some other people. You know, it's and then those people find it, and you like create that connection. Like we were talking about earlier, it's all about connections, man. Right. You know, it's a form of communication, and you know, it's just about doing it because you love it and then the audience will find you you know and um and that success however you define it you know that that'll that'll find you too you find that fulfillment through that those connections you make you know right absolutely and going going back just a little bit
0: andrew you were talking about or anthony you were talking about earlier that andrew put out an ad or something right and that's how you guys Uh that's how you yeah. guys. That's how you guys first got started. So what? What was? What was your motivation there? Did you expect to find uh, your partner for the next twenty plus years? Or
2: oh well, I mean no, yeah, I didn't know. I mean what the future held at all. But yeah, at the time we needed a, a organ player. Yeah, and, um, and so put an ad out. Yeah, and Farrell answered it, and yeah, and here we are. <laughs>
0: right on. What, what were you guys listening to growing up did you guys mesh on a lot of the same influences
2: yeah definitely um i was listening to a lot of blues and stuff and then um when i moved to la and then when feral when we started all playing we started getting hip to a lot of things you know like the meters and you know, Alan Saint, a lot of New Orleans, a lot of Stacks, a lot of Memphis, sure. a lot of like just soul stuff, stuff like from like, you know, like 62 to like 73 or 6, I don't know. Like it was like, it was just everything in there, you know, co- country, jazz, blues, just this real, you know, everything was real groovy. Anything was super groovy we got into. So. Right
0: on. So you've probably shown each other a lot of shit too.
2: Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of that for sure. Yeah, and yeah.
0: And before before y'all got together, where'd you grow up at? You you went you moved to L.A. From yeah,
2: LA from down. Tyler, Texas. So okay. yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: I grew up in the San Fernando Valley in California, Reseda, California. Okay. Yeah.
0: And you guys are at Austin now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You like it there?
1: Oh yeah. Do you
0: try to get out in mid March? Oh,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah you know we we had a new record coming out this year so we we did some south by stuff you know um but yeah most of the time we we happen to be on the road around that time it's kind of a coincidence
0: and now the new record just came out what in the last few weeks right the last couple of months
1: yeah yeah about a, about a month ago so uh, yeah I think- is this the
0: official yeah. album tour quote unquote kind of- and this is the last show of the tour as well right
2: uh yeah yeah it's the last show of the tour and then uh it was the uh our desert tour uh the the desert fire tour yeah but no we uh we're on our way back uh tomorrow so nice head back to austin for a little bit and then then it's back at it again so right on yeah
0: right on and then i got i got one i think one last question for you guys, so. I see the jumpsuits all the time before the show, never during the show. Yeah. But it's, it's a thing every time. I, I think this is the third time I've opened for you guys going back the last five years or so. Yeah, man. And you're always wearing jumpsuits. So yeah. Look at the jumpsuits.
2: <laughs> oh, well, they're just uh we call them our load outfits. And, uh, I saw the, um, Angelo from fishbone on a flight from Japan and he was wearing a jumpsuit and we were grounded the flight wasn't taken off everybody's in their seats and i kept looking at him and like thinking man that guy looks comfortable you know like in this kind of like uncomfortable situation and uh so i was like kind of took it from him you know the jumpsuit thing yeah so just uh as far as just it being easy and keeps the pack light and you can put everything in it, and the next morning you just jump in it. You know, yeah, like yeah. all your shits in there. Like, you know, your change whatever the hell you left in there, there a couple nights ago. Room key, like whatever. And the <laughs> listeners should
0: be Google imaging this right now on your phone.
2: What's that? The jump so what you seat. guys look like. Oh yeah, yeah. Said. I don't know. There, there are very many pictures. It's well, a behind the
0: scenes thing. <laughs> yeah, because you never go out on stage in them, right?
2: No, no. Only the setup. Yeah, sound check and when we're off you know like yeah like like if we're not in the suits yeah radio stations stuff like that we'll wear them in there usually and just when we're not playing you know and uh it's pretty fun Uh, somebody told me that van halen used to do that too like they would wear like ball caps and jumpsuits, and uh do the same thing set all their stuff up and then they'd come out like in their outfits you know and so I, I, it's we're not doing anything brand new, but uh we're we're doing it because it's it's dope, you know. And I'd suggest it, you know. It's if everybody's down. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well,
0: I, I actually, I was just looking at the time. I gotta jump up on stage here in a few minutes. Oh yeah, so, man. So I <laughs> back up and get to it. But hey, thank you guys so much for thank taking the you. time to sit down with me. Yeah,
1: appreciate you, Andy. Right on.
0: All right, there you have it. That's my conversation with Anthony Farrell and Andrew Trube of the band Greyhounds. Really nice guys, a lot of fun to hang with, great musicians. If you had a chance to check them out live, I highly suggest it. If you like the podcast or don't like the podcast, head over to iTunes or wherever else you listen to your podcast and leave a rating and review. If you have any suggestions or want to say hey or have anything to add about the show, please shoot me an email at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. We opened up the interview with a short clip of learning how to love off the Greyhound's newest, Cheyenne Valley Drive, and we're going to close out with one of their songs, No Other Woman, off the same album. We'll see you next time. Thanks.
2: I'm <laughs> of the my to my motel six room.